Welcome to the Enrich Your Soul Podcast, episode 150 with award-winning singer-songwriter, Lindsay Schoolcraft. Welcome to the Enrich Your Soul Podcast, your source for inspiration, motivation, and positive change. I'm your host, Rich Bracken, and in each episode, I'm here to provide exactly what you need to get you on your path to excellence through insights and amazing interviews with high achievers. Now, let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Enrich Your Soul Podcast, and this one is a big one. It is episode 150. It is my birthday week, and I am joined by one of my favorite singers right now. Like I, I and I say right now because I just recently discovered her, and I was blown away from the the, the word or the the note go. Uh, Lindsay Schoolcraft is a phenomenal artist and the more i've gotten to know her the more i realize that not only is she a phenomenal talent but she's also an amazing person as well so i'm so excited to welcome her to the show today now if you've never heard Lindsay before she is she is completely unique and why i say that is because you don't normally hear the words harp opera and heavy metal music in the same sentence but that's who Lindsay is she has carved out this unique niche she is very well respected and she's also a woman in the metal industry which is typically a boys club and so she's really carved out this unique position in the industry and i'm so i have so much respect for her and i have so much admiration for who she is Lindsay is a hauntingly enchanting singer, harpist, and pianist, and she was presented with the 2021 Oshawa Music Award for Artist of the Year, and she's also been nominated for a Juno Award. Releasing her own solo work since 2010 with a debut full-length metal album, Martyr, co-written by Grammy Award winner Rocky Gray, formerly of the band Evanescence, releasing in 2019, and her harp-driven orchestral offering Worlds Away in 2020. Her music is elegant, yet powerful, delivering a compelling sound fueled by raw emotion. Lindsay's style prevails effortlessly through every composition, whether focusing solely on orchestral instrumentation or delving into the realms of heavy music. Lindsay received her musical education from established vocal instructors, the Royal Conservatory of Music in Toronto, and briefly at York University for Opera and Theory Studies. She continues to study today in the fields of business, musical theory, and musical production. I'm excited to share Lindsay's story and her talent and her amazing personality with you. So welcome to episode 150, Storytelling with Lindsay Schoolcraft. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special edition of the Enrich Your Soul podcast. Y'all, there, there are times where I like to think, for the most part, that I'm a very composed person. And there are times where I'm just not. And today is one of those that I'm going to walk that line in between the two because I am very excited, but also like erupting with joy on the inside that I get to interview one of my favorite singers. Now, this is somebody that I've just recently started listening to, but have immensely dove in headfirst. I am so passionate about her, her sound, her stories, everything that she encompasses as a person from what I have seen. And I've, I've been grateful and honored to be able to exchange communication with her. And here she is today. Lindsay Schoolcraft is on my damn podcast like here it is i'm walking in that line of, of excitement here so Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today and i'm so excited to talk with you oh rich thank you so much for having me i've been waiting forever for this I love <laughs> it, it feels like forever right and so and and we'll talk because i i want to talk about um we're gonna talk about a lot of different things but one of the things i think we have figured out that we have in common is this belief in and shared energy and manifestation and you know right. even even to the you know one of your tunes twin flames talks about that the idea of people just being connected in the world so i am i am 
flattered, honestly, that you would say something like that, given how much how much excitement I have for this and how much respect I have for you. Oh, cheers. You're too kind. <laughs> uh, well, it, it just gets worse from here as far as the kindness thing goes. So just brace yourself. Oh, here we go. Um, All right. <laughs> but... Sprinkles of kindness. Shower down on me. Here we go. <laughs> it will rain. If 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 my words were were confetti and and all the good things in the world like brace for it It, it'll basically look like this picture behind me oh in words right cool okay that's your aura okay gotcha (laughs) exactly it is it is craziness it is bright it is pops it is that is that is all me but I, i think you like i are we're very much layered people. And so that's something too that I yeah. want to dive into as well. But first, before we dive into all these great conversations and, and topics, let's talk a little bit about you. If you want to share a little bit about who you are and, and a little bit about your background, and I would love for people to get to know you. Sure. I mean, well, mainly first and foremost, like, um, you know, my name is Lizzie Schoolcraft uh, from Canada in a small city uh, near Toronto called Oshawa, where we we film a lot of movies here so you've seen probably a lot of his our historical landmarks and like the big x-men movies and stuff and the the house from it was here so it's 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 a busy city i'm very proud to be from here we have a very tiny music scene that i come from but like we're all very tight knit and it's been like i love our community so that's kind of where i got my start i have been um a singer songwriter for over 20 years I started in high school and I didn't stop and I was stubborn about the right things and made it my full-time job, you know, um, all these years later. But during that process, I also discovered, you know, um, I'm a performer, like an entertainer. Um, I worked seven years with a band called Cradle Filth, toured the world three times, did two records with Nuclear Blast Records. Um, It was insane. And, um, you know, then, of course, I left the band and the good old dandy pandy uh, hit. And uh, it it forced me to be um, to realize and recognize that I actually am a music producer. So um, that's been the new journey that's come about the last few years. And uh, I just I just love creating music and I love singing and uh, I love that I can share it with the world. And, And those of us that have heard you and those of us that will hear you after this are grateful for that and for grateful for you sharing your talent because you are immensely talented. And I think that too, having a musical background as well, I understand different layers of what, what makes music, what it is. And so I think for, for those that just think, Oh, she's a rock star. She's a musician. She's a singer. I mean, there's, there's composition, there's songwriting, there's producing, there's all of the different elements. So I, I give you immense respect on that as well from a technical standpoint, because there is a lot that goes into it. And there is a lot that you have to know and share and learn and, and collaborate with yeah. others. And so I, I respect where you've come from on that, on that note as well. When you, when we talk about how we've gotten there. Cause I want to kind of go back to the beginning. Did you, were you raised in a house that was musical or do you recall any, any early encounters with music in your home? Yeah. So, I mean, my dad is a singer and a guitarist and he, he played in bands in his teens. So we're talking like the sixties and um, you know, I, I have a great respect for my parents. I think being a parent is the hardest job on the face of the planet. It's the most involved, like thankless job. So, you know, uh, he, he gave up his dream to have family with my mom, of course, and had me and my sister, but that never went away. There was like seven guitars around the house and sheet music everywhere. And my dad would always be singing. And, um, at the age of seven and eight, you know, sometimes we'd hang out on the weekend and he'd showed me Beatles or, uh, Johnny Cash, um, the Eagles on guitar. So 
I kind of got my start, like, even though Disney was the thing at the time, and I was just so entranced by all the color and the characters and songs of Disney in the 90s, um, I also had this this country upbringing. Like, we listened to a lot of country music at the house, but then my mom was also, like, at the top of the pops. Like, she loved the top 40. So I had this nice bleed over of, uh, I was born in 86, but a lot of the 80s music was still cycling in the top radio in the 90s, which was so good. I'm so right. glad I got that exposure, you know, and I, I kind of grew up with, like, Phil Collins and Gowan and, um, but also like Cher and ABBA and, um, who else does my mom love? There's another one that I'm totally blanking on, but yeah, she just, she just, you know, brought in that pop music, which is good because I have such an analytical mind. So it was being ingrained into me, like, you know, this is the form of a song and this is storytelling. And I feel like I'm, I mainly really understood that from playing Johnny Cash's music. Cause he's such a storyteller. Oh, so, um, yeah, so that was that was like my upbringing with music, but I didn't take it seriously. It was like this weird. You hear these stories with like A-list celebrities and they're like they're actors or they're entertainers or whatever they are. Like at fifteen, it was just a hard yeah. Like this is I am gonna be a singer, songwriter, performer, and this is it, you know. And I decided at fifteen, and I never looked back. It bothered my parents. I didn't, you know, go to uni to be a veterinarian or something, <laughs> but they. <laughs> They got over it. <laughs> right. Now, was yeah. it was there? I mean, the, the musical influences are very similar. Um, I'm I am I hide my gray as well, but I'm I'm a little bit older than you. But like when you talk about Phil Collins and ABBA and Cher and and, and Johnny yeah. Cash, especially. And what I also think is funny is that I, too, grew up in a house where my dad played a lot of country music. And I think there's I think. When you hear country music as as a youth, it either you either go full country or maybe metal sounds like a better idea because that's the direction <laughs> that I went. Um, and you as, you as well. Um, but, I, but I love the idea that there, there was a, a variety of music and there was, you know, there with both sides as well. Um, right. and so when I, when I, when you think about those influences, was there one, was it Johnny Cash or was there somebody else that really say, you know, stuck out to you that you said, this is like, this blew my mind. Like this was the person that I knew made me want to be a musician. It was actually Blink-182, because when I was in high really? school, um, pop punk was a thing. And and I actually had this conversation with some friends last night. I'm going to go on a little side tangent here, because um, uh -huh. I was, my best friend uh, dragged me to MGK, Machine Gun Kelly. Mm -hmm. And um, I grew up with Blink-182 and Green Day and like, like that really big explosion of uh, pop punk in the early 2000s. So going to MGK, like I was like, okay, but I was like, and I don't mean to be rude, I respect him for how big he is and his performance, but I was kind of bored because I grew up with the OGs. So mm -hmm. I was looking, I was looking at the music and I was like, in a lot like country, I was like, this in its form is like very simple. It's like, it's pop music. It's simply structured. It's well-written. And like, as much as like seeing Blink on stage at 15 and being like, that's what I want to do. I'm, I was talking with my best friend saying like, I'm glad I didn't pursue pop punk. Cause even though there's like a resurgence of it, resurgence of it now, 20 years later, mm. I think I would be bored, it, you know, mm. cause I, I have a lot to offer with, with the, you know, as you know, I work with strings and orchestras and I feel like with pop punk and country, like that would be it, you know, like, it's just like, this is the music you write for the rest of your life. And I'm like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be challenged enough. So there, there was, there was blink and it blew my mind and it set me on the path of like, 
and at the time I was, I was singing and playing bass guitar. Like I wasn't like, actually, I got bored of the guitar because it was just like all these chords. And I was like, Oh, I want a new challenge. Um, the big moment, the big aha light bulb, like that turned me into the queen of darkness, as they say, was when Evanescence hit with bring me to life. And then I was like, I didn't know this music could exist. And it's, it's, got strings and it's dark and there's a female voice singing over heavy music and at the time you know you have to understand even though there was pop punk i was also listening to like slipknot and corn and mm-hmm. lincoln park so it was kind of like i d- i love this music too and that was like the big aha moment and then immediately i slowed down on the bass i'm like mom i want piano lessons i want vocal lessons i want to learn how to write this music and that that happened it i'd say it happened about a year or two after the whole decision to be like i'm gonna do this you know but that was the big influential move at the time there there's so so many things like i'm i'm nodding but again i'm just i'm i'm fascinated by what seems to be this this really interesting crossroads because you're you're coming with the blink influence you've got evanescence i remember a friend of mine and i was living in memphis at the time but a friend of mine said you've got to turn on i think it was leno at the time, they said, you've got to turn right. on Leno. There's this band from Little Rock that's on there that they're amazing. And right, right. I, po- I popped it on in the middle of the song. Same thing where it was just, it was so different. And I yeah. think that's where I too have an affinity for for Korn, Slipknot, Seven Dust, like some, you know, some heavier bands. Right. And that that to me is where when you hear something different, when you hear something yeah. that's out of the norm, that is where yeah. I think you either, it either, I mean, it, it's kind of a, there's no gray area there. Like you either, it hits you or it doesn't. And yeah, you, you love I, it or you hate it. Exactly. And that's what it was like. Like it was literally at my high school, there was a divide. People either loved yeah. Evanescence or they couldn't stand it. There was no in between. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, but, but I think too, it speaks to the passion of the music. And I think right. there there is something you either get or you don't. And I think so many mm-hmm. people are quick to write off metal as a whole i mean never mind the fact that they don't even peel back the different genres of metal but they 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 stop short and they pigeonhole it as the you know oh that's the that's the goth kid or that's the metal kid or that's you know those are the troublemakers those are the ones that you know and you know they the weird the art kids yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i was totally written off as like like everyone kept calling me emo near the end of high school i'm like no Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember I remember in high school, I think it was my freshman year, again, a, a side tangent here, but I remember I I was playing football and I I had I had a, a tape, a certain tape, which also dates me, that I had listened to before every football game. And I love it, it broke. Like I mean, God, oh. the pain the pain of the tape unraveling, right? Like the pencil wouldn't work. No, it, yeah, it, the tape was destroyed. Right. I uh, I grew so up with I, the error. So I told my friend I was I like, get it. Oh crap! Like, what am I going to do? I said, we we have to go. Like, we're in our football gear, and I said, get in mm-hmm. the car. We have to go to you know. There was a Walmart across the street. I said, we have to go to Walmart. You have to go in and get this tape for me because I have my you have your tennis shoes on. I have my cleats on. You have to go in and get it. He goes, okay. What am I getting? I said, it's called State of Euphoria by Anthrax. Wow. And he goes, what? What? Right. <laughs> and so he did. He God bless him. He ran in and got the the tape and came out and goes, what the hell is this? And, you know, if you've seen the cover of State of Euphoria, like it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a bit, it gets your attention. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it is, I think it's, you know, my friends always, always saw me as like the, like he looks 
preppy-ish, but then you listen to what he listens to and it's a whole different ballgame. But yeah. to me, like you, when you hit this, you have this Blink-182, Evanescence, Corn Slipknot, Crossroads that I that I love because it it sings to, no pun intended, it sings to your depth of it as an individual. And and mm-hmm. when you hit that kind of crossroads, like there, there is no other way but to to fully embrace it or just dismiss it completely. So your sound as it is now, when you think about from then to now, when you were like, this is right. it, I'm going full bore, like how has that developed and where, because I mean, you, you studied opera, you play harp, you play piano, you have one of the most gorgeous singing voices I've ever heard in my entire so life. Sweet. And then Thank to put you. it to say, but she's a, she's a goth metal artist like that. If you don't understand the structure of music and the passion of music, like on its face, you're like, what, how does that all it, make sense? So how did, how did that develop? Right. And how did that evolve over the years for you? It's still, it's still evolving. Like that's Mm. the thing. It doesn't stop. And it's like, I think the more, you know, the more you can take from the more you can pull from because like everything is out there and it's like, it's not always, I know this sounds weird. It's not always there for your entertainment. You can learn something from other people's music. And I like, people are shocked when they look at my Spotify, like I had a friend open by Spotify yesterday. It's like, you were listening to house of pain and Cypress Hill. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, like, why not? Because like, I, I like to study beats and I, I like to study like form and structure with lyrics and and melodies. And, um, I think it's important that, you know, the more you experience, the more, you know, and then when you're in the moment and you're writing music, you can pull from all these resources. And that's, I think how you form your own sound. Mm -hmm. Cause it's not like, for me, it's not like, oh, I have to write a song this way and sound this way because people are going to like it. It's like, no, I have to do it for me. So how am I going to make it sound like something that like I'm going to enjoy? Because I, I have long sight. I'm like, mm. I'm going to have to perform this song in 20 years. Right. I have to like it. Right. Like, right. Right. So, you know, I'm going to put that weird synth patch in there or I'm going to put this string part in there or I'm going to put this heavy guitar or melodic guitar here. So. I mean, I think we've gone way from the original question, but yeah, no, back to like, you know, you have all these genres coming in, but I love that we're in this era of the post genre, which I Mm. think Ghost Domain and Poppy kind of coined and trended. But, you know, like, again, MGK is a great example. I'm not crazy about his music, but he's flipping genres. And then at his show, he took his rap music and made it heavy metal. And we were all just like, wow. But like, I love that now, like a lot of people get confused. They're like, no, I want this one genre. I'm sticking to this one band. But, you know, we're getting into an era where they're embracing artists being all these different, uh, I guess, genres or like flipping all over the place. Do you know what I mean? I I love that. And I I likened it. I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a musician the other day, too, that I liken it to a chef. Like if you only know right. salt and pepper not the band, the, the spices, but if, if you only know those <laughs> spices, your creativity is limited. And so if mm-hmm. you're, you know, I started adding smoked paprika to my eggs. It's a mind blower, but it's the same thing <laughs> that, you know, I didn't think we'd go to smoke paprika in this conversation, but here we are. But here we are. But, you know, having those influences and having influences that don't really necessarily make sense, but it's something that catches your attention that that is where creativity really erupts because all of a sudden you're like oh 
I didn't really think that this went with this, but here, you know, this sounds fantastic. Um, yeah. I also have to pause and say House of Pain in Cypress Hill is one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Um, <laughs> which, I believe you. I saw them yeah. recently with oh Slipknot and I was like, damn. <laughs> they, I saw them in high school and it was, it was those two and Funk oh, Dubious. So if you've, jealous. if you've heard of Funk Dubious, bonus points. Um, yeah. One of the most amazing shows I've ever been to. But I love that you, a couple different things that you said. One, that you have to love what you do. And you have to believe yeah. in, in yourself in the creative process. And tell me more about that that line. Because I think there's a line for a lot of people that think, I want to do, but you know, it's almost kind of like the glass of the outside. What are other people going to think about it? And what is right. the difference between doing something for others and doing something for yourself? And what is the value in saying, hey, I enjoy it. And I hope other people do. But if they don't, I still enjoyed it no matter what. That came with age. That came with like my my debut heavy album Martyr that I did with Rocky Gray, who is the original drummer of Evanescence. Um, it was just this like he got in touch with me and he really wanted to do an album. And I was like, oh, like, I can't say no to this, you know. And at the time I was working on my next album, but it was sounding a lot like my first EP, which is just this very chilled down tempo, like symphonic gothic music without the heavy. Because I when it comes to writing rock and metal guitars and drums i am just useless mm. so we started working together and we were very hard pressed to be like we have to prove ourselves on this album i mean i felt it more than rocky rocky's like i won grammys i don't care i'm doing this for fun you know he, he kind of taught me this idea so like later of course so i'm like pressing hard producing this album getting it right every lyric every melody every structure every instrument like i just destroyed my brain for two years around touring with Cradle of Filth. Like it was a stop, start, stop, start. And then, which was painful, but it, it kept me sane. And then, you know, I proved it and I put it out there and it did really well. And I got nominated for a Juno here in Canada, which is like a Grammy for us right. Canadians. And that was like, I was like, oh man, like I've, I've proven that you know, and I've, I've like, and I, and I don't want to pull the, like, you know, the, the woman card or anything, but, um, I've felt I've had a lot of resistance, people trying to downplay my my work ethic, my credit, my talent, what I bring to the table. There's been um, it's it's a big problem in, in, in the industry overall that, you know, women are kind of uh, overshadowed and people take credit for their work. And it was a big moment where it was like, OK, I feel like I've actually really proven myself like I, you kind of it's like coming of age, you know, and I see in some of my friends who are they're either artists or the they're in the industry as a business person managing or marketing or whatever and they're still in that phase of like i have to prove myself and i you right. know i i forget that that actually is a thing but coming back to it now it's like now i'm in this place where it's more of a spiritual thing when i'm writing and creating music and putting my releases out there so now it's like okay i did it I wouldn't go back and change a thing. I'm proud of that album. But mm. now I see myself more as like a vessel for these melodies and lyrics and stories. Like I feel like now I'm in such a place of calm when I'm, when a song comes to me and it wants to come out, it's like, I'm like, Oh, song baby is like coming. I got to go give birth, you know, or I say, right. Oh, I'm having a come to Jesus moment. Like right. Jesus is here. I got to go write the song. You know, just, I say that because it's like, you don't really control when inspiration strikes, but then, you're given the song and it's like, okay, now I have to make it tangible. But now I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, I know, like, you know, I have proven to the world. I, I write pretty okay music. A lot of people like it, but now it's like, I have to start doing it for me because it's like, 
I only have so much time left on this planet and I want to have fun while I'm here. And I don't want to bring that stress to the table because when you bring that negative energy, I feel like it creates resistance and it brings down the whole experience of creating the song. So now, now it's more like a, Oh, I'm just going to write the music that like I want to see in the world. I'm just going to write what makes me happy. And it takes a lot. Like confidence is something that it's practiced until it's preached, you know, like Mm. you have to, it's kind of like almost like a fake until you make it. Like you have to, pretend you're confident and then you become confident. It's the strangest thing. And I found that confidence and I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm not holding back anymore. I'm just going to do what I think this song is telling me it wants to do. It's almost like a, when a song comes to be, it's like, I'm going to let it tell me what it wants to sound like. It's this weird place now. I can't even describe it. It's a very spiritual thing now, but it doesn't mean I've lost my integrity or my like, Oh, like, I, I'm just doing it and I'm going to throw a rapper here and I'm going to then bring the banjo in on the end. Like it's, <laughs> it's, which, it's not which, like no, that. That has, to, I mean, that has to happen if it hasn't I, happened already. Like we get that, that, that must. I think little Nas some... did it. I, yeah, someone <laughs> did it somewhere, but um, it's more of like a, I listen back and I'm like, is this a song that I like? Like it's, mm. you know, like it has to kind of have that Phil Collins or that Depeche mode or that like, it can be a little different, but like I have to listen back to this and be like, I like this because it reminds me of everything that's influenced me and everything that I love. So that's, it's this strange place, you know, I'm 36 now and I'm like, I feel like this elder goth, like all wise and like chilled out. <laughs> well, then I, I literally would probably start sprouting a white beard as we're talking. If, if, if that is the, the cutoff for, for elder and, and the goth world, like a, a at 46 almost i'll be 46 next week but i think i think that i I love what you said about confidence too because and i want to kind of marry two thoughts here the confidence factor is immense in any kind of creativity but especially music especially when you're putting it out there because let's face it the world the world are now like everybody that's on social media is an expert on something one week and something the next week and they feel the (laughs) the impetus to share their opinion (laughs) Um, yeah, but what have they accomplished? That's what I look for. Exactly. And I love the quote, and I can't remember who said it. You'll never be criticized by somebody doing more than you. True. And I, so you know, true. that to me has been my saving grace in so many instances. But I want to, I want to talk a little bit about two, two different things that you, that you brought up. One, the creative process, but, but two, also the ability to walk into that confidence because it has to be in some way, shape or form emotionally when an idea comes to you and you start developing it. So I want to talk about the, the creative process first, but then once a song is completed and it's like, here's my musical baby that I'm now going to show to the world, a la Lion King. um, (laughs) What are people going to think about it? So talk a little bit more about what inspires you to write and what, where do you get your inspiration for the music that you create? And then what does that emotion feel like when you're, you're, when you're in it and then all of a sudden it's like, here world, here you go. Right. I am, oh God, I'm like like the two complete opposites. I wrote a lot of music before I joined Cradle of Filth. Mm. And then Cradle of Filth happened and it was a full-time commitment. And I was only able to do singles until I really delved into like my my album. So there's just all these demos of like just stuff that's inspired by film scores and the music of the time that I never touched. But then there's also these songs that are coming in right now. So I'm torn between this. I'm remaking these old songs, which is like its own headache, but it's, it's a labor of love. But then there's this 
this moment of inspiration where these melodies just start haunting me. And it's usually because it's my current life experience, Mm -hmm. whether it be heartbreak or, you know, like we talked about finding courage. Um, A lot of my songs do revolve around love, like, and and the experiences I've had with them, but also the journey of self-love, because I can see in songs where I didn't value and love and respect myself. And that's Mm. why these things happened. Or now I do value and love and respect myself. Like, you know, we mentioned Twin Flame before, but there's like this spiritual connection and it's tragic that we can't be together, you know, and it's just like the truths of life. So I'm going back and digging through these old songs and freshening them up. And they're still my stories that never changed. It's like, I, I, there's some artists I've spoken to and I'm like to each their own. Um, and they're like, oh, if, if I, if it didn't get recorded or, you know, I, it's six months old, I won't pursue it. And I just leave it to die in the past. And I'm like, why it's still your story it doesn't and it's like i think that's a very selfish thing because it's like it may be your story but like what about finishing that song and putting it out there for that person out there that needs that song that needs to hear it that needs to heal because they need to hear your song so i've I've always felt this responsibility and this duty to like finish these songs from like 12 14 years ago but then there's these moments where i will be going through something like matters of the heart and this lightning bolt, I guess Thor showing up. I don't know who it is, but this strike of inspiration. And it's like, okay, like this has to happen. And I, I do have to go into my quiet place. Like I told my friend who like calls me every day and we talk all the time. I'm like, if I disappear for four hours, don't worry, I'm not dead. <laughs> just, I'm just down in my studio writing a new song because I got inspired. They understand that. They were very understanding since day one. I mean, you right. have to understand being my friend. If you can't, you can't be my friend. And um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's cool to see your past self in the old songs and be like, I see what I was trying to do here. But there's also this aha moment of, oh, I didn't have those skills yet. I didn't have this thought pattern yet. I didn't have these talents yet. You know, so like I knew I wanted to make this song, but I didn't know how to write like first string quartet at the time. So there it is. But now it, it it's like almost like it's this everything happens for a reason. It's like I didn't pursue these songs because I needed to be who I am now to finish them. Right. But then there's also these other ones that come in out of nowhere and they're like, here we are, like figure it out. So right. um yeah, it's I'm in this weird mixed bag right now and everything everything that it's coming out of me right now, it's on Patreon. Uh, and then we're going to do like a full production of this album. It's very in the vein of like trip hop and uh, electronic music, but oh dark, still dark and spooky. Still me. Still me. Right. Like it's still me. It's just it's got all my love of trip hop and dark wave and uh, electronic music that raised me because Wow. No, you you were talking you were talking about like oh what's some stuff that influenced you and I thought about it I listened to this album again last night and there was a really dark period in my youth that transition from like child to teenager is mm. like no bueno it's like I, right. I I just I sympathize with anyone who's the age of twelve and you know now I found out recently and we're going through to like get a diagnosis like I am on the spectrum I have autism and it's my superpower it's given me this these incredible superpowers but also I do not function in the neurotypical world. I am a disaster. I'm a tornado. Um, And it was a hard time. And there's two albums that I would listen to on repeat. And that was Moby's Play Mm -hmm. and Dido's No Angel. Mm -hmm. And those two albums, I'm like, 
oh my gosh, iconic. And I go back and I listen to them and I'm like, this is me. Like, this is like, this is me down to my fiber. This is the music I truly love, you know, and, and seeing me on stage with like gothic symphonic metal bands. <laughs> <It's> like, <what? laughs> so that's why all this music coming out of me sounds like that. So it's just a time. And I guess artists like MGK and Poppy and, and Ghost to Maine, they've kind of inspired me to be like, you know what, if you want to change direction and mm-hmm. do an album in a totally different style, my fan base is so loving and loyal. They don't care. They just want to hear me sing. Like, right. You know, as I've joined other artists recently singing on their albums and I sang in opera when I usually just sing in my normal pop voice, I guess you'd call it my me mm-hmm. voice. Right. So I think it's important to follow your heart and follow your joy because that's truly like, you know, when I, I again, I'm very long sighted at the at the end of my life. When I finally crawl into my grave, I want to be like, yeah, I did it on my terms and I had a good time and I didn't care what anyone else thought, you know. So well, roping back around to confidence. <laughs> I no, I, I I I love all of that. Like every time you like every, as you're, and I I wish I was smarter about like writing down my thoughts as you're talking because there's so much that oh. I love about what you just shared. Um, and I think too, like I you know I think about and I, I was I was thinking about the conversation you had where you were talking. Oh, it was it was in the video which I, I'll get to in just a second. But you had mentioned the the three singers that you always wanted to sing with: The Weeknd, Jonathan Davis, and Chris. Most of them. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think about I was I've always been a big fan of behind the scenes musical content because as a creative myself, like I I I value that process. Yes, I'll appreciate an album, but when I see what goes into it and when I hear the creative process and I hear how people are stripping things away, I go back to the first. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It was the Corn DVD that they came out with when they were recording um, their first album, and then they were moving into Life Is Peachy. And I know exactly which one where, you're talking about. Yeah, there was yeah. a scene where Jonathan was in the studio with Ross Robinson, and they were he was writing and singing, and Ross was. They, I mean, the song was tragic in nature, and mm-hmm. I think it was Daddy. There were no, no. Oh no, it was Kill You, and he was yeah. talking. He was talking to him and saying like. Go back to that moment. Close your eyes. Go back to that moment. What would it, what did it feel like? What did it feel like to see the people in the room? What it, what was all you know? And you see Jonathan just going through it. It's and, trauma part two. Correct. Yeah. And I and I yeah. too I think one of the one of the biggest things I think that we have gotten better at as a society in the last couple of years, thanks to uh, you called it the dandy pandy, which I've never heard of it, and I love that. I'm going to start using it now. <laughs> um, but I think we've all we've all realized that there is this layer of us that we can take back this armor or hidden hidden wall mm-hmm. to say, hey, look, you know, I I'm I'm a whole big, you know, mess of of Disney stories mixed with some really dark Hansel and Gretel shit. Like, th- I mean, right. there, exactly. there, there is there is a lot to me and that's OK. Mm-hmm. And, and people mm-hmm. don't I think people prior to maybe the pandemic and maybe a little bit before always had a problem with saying, Hey, look, I'm not okay. And it's, you know, there are, or there are things that I have experienced or things that I have just truly buried within me that I'm afraid, ashamed, nervous about sharing with anyone or the world. And so when I think about that creative writing process, that in of itself is a it's almost a, a, a new life baptism in a way where you say like, mm-hmm. Hey, look, I am walking into my story. I am going to share who I am. And it's, it's, 
I always get autobiographical and biographical mi mixed up when you write about yourself, whichever that right. was. Um, I think it's auto. I would suck on Jeopardy. <laughs> I'm not that bright. Um, <laughs> but if, if, you know, if you're writing these stories and you're writing these lyrics and you're sharing the emotion of the music, because it's not just the lyrics, it's the tone that sets with it as well. Right. That in of itself is such a, such a, a unique experience. And whether it's writing a song or writing a poem or creating art, there's this power in walking into it. And you talked about the journey of self-love. And is that mm -hmm. as you've written over the years and you talk about age, but also it's got to be the experience of hang, saying like, hey, look, this is me. So be it. Here, here, you know, here's my story. Take it for what it right. is. Because I, I think too, if you go back to like the Jonathan Davis experience or you know, I, I previously had interactions with Corey Taylor where I told him the nice. same thing, where he wrote something and I knew a friend of mine who, who she was working as a psychologist and she told me that one of her patients did not commit suicide because of his music. And so, so to your point of like, I put these things out there to share who I am, but also in hopes of giving people their own hope or letting them be okay with their own story. And, and so... Yeah. I guess it's a, there's not necessarily a, a real clear question here, but how has that journey of self-love been for you? And how has the interaction with your fans and the response to that been? Well, it makes you wiser. And then when your fans approach you and they're going through something, it's like, you know, you, it's almost like it just sparks in my heart. And it's like, I know what needs to almost know what needs to be said. Mm. And people ultimately, fundamentally, they want to be seen, heard and understood. That's it. That's yeah. all, you know, it's like, I see you, I hear you, I understand you to an extent, or I, you know, I, I don't know how else to put it, like, not necessarily understood, but just acknowledged, right? right. Like, even acknowledgement is super powerful. Um, but I, I mean, I've been working on myself for over 12 years. And it's, it's crazy what you say about the pandemic, because before the pandemic, I had burnout, and I was I was in a very bad way. And I was very open about it. And people are like, I appreciate your openness about it. And then the pandemic hit. And now like all my friends are in therapy. They're mm -hmm. they're like, taking care of themselves. They're like talking about it. It's like the pandemic brought that out in us to be like, none of us are okay. Like we're all messed up. Our, right. our childhoods traumatized us. Our teen years sucked. Mm -hmm. We wasted our 20s drinking and doing drugs. You know, like we all messed up. So it's like, I did see the shift, but I mean, I over the years, I've been very, very blessed to work with some powerful mentors and teachers. And I learned that time is your most valuable resource, you can't mm. buy it back, how you spend it is everything. And if you're not good, and you're fighting with your mental health and your bad habits and your crappy way of thinking, you waste time, and then you don't get closer towards your goals and your dreams and enjoying yourself and being in this state of calm. And I was like, I don't want to waste any more of my time being in this disaster zone. I got to start picking up the pieces, calming the storm and finding my way of functioning in the world, you know, and it, it's amazing because, and I, I believe it, it's like your energy, like everything that you, if you're scattered in a mess, it spills into everything. It spills into your work, your family life, your relationships, your artistry. So when you start to kind of take it back, like, I know there's so many artists that are like scared that they feel they need to be the broken, broken artist. And it's like, oh, if I if I go to therapy and I get clean, I'm going to not write good music anymore. And I'm like, no, like when you actually get clean and sober and happy or at least stable, that's when you make your most music. That's when you write your 
best music because you can be reflective. And that's, it's crazy you said that about Jonathan and that experience he had, because one of my, one of my most influential songwriters is Ben Moody, who was in Evanescence and then left and worked with like Celine Dion and Kelly Clarkson. And I always knew he could go back to that moment because you could always hear it in his songs and it sucks. Like that was like a little trick. It's like, how do you, how do you continue to create this story and, you know, tell it to people to help them to heal yourself and heal others. And it's like, it is going back to that moment, but it's such, it's like songwriting is such a reflective process, mm -hmm. you know? And again, I'm torn between two worlds. I am literally in 12 years ago and in the present in all my yeah. new songs. So it's like seeing how I'm writing songs now versus like picking up those old pieces and making them fresh. It's like, oh man, it's like, you're, it's this dualism. It's insane. It's just insanity. <laughs> but it, but I, I love I love that you're doing that because the stories were important at that point twelve years ago, and mm -hmm. or you wouldn't have started them. And now, and you mentioned it earlier. Now that you've got the knowledge, the experience, you know, you've you've fine tuned talents, whatever whatever you need yeah. to do to go back and re, re, revise those or, or bring them to life. That that in of itself, like it wouldn't be hard to go back to those moments because to, to your point, like you. You never leave that story. Yes, right. some of the, the emotion may change and your perspective on it may change. But if you truly go back, a la the John, Jonathan Davis comparison, if you go back right. to that moment and sit in it, whether it's visualization or meditation or just closing your eyes and just reliving it in your mind, the story is still there. The emotion is still there. You still yeah. went through it. Like I, you know, yeah. I can, I can count you know, multiple times that something has happened and I can go back to it in seconds and it could have been decades ago, but you right. never, ever forget that emotion. And so I, the, the concept of storytelling to me is one of the most fascinating things. And mm -hmm. because, you know, people, people will experience something and they're like, yeah, I went through this. This is what I did. This is what happened to me. And it just, and they just kind of put it in a very, objective stale perspective so when right. you know, talk a little bit about you know something happens and it's not just telling the telling the story of what actually happened it's creating a story around it to convey the emotion convey the growth convey the tragedy whatever whatever emotion needs to come out in that story so talk a little bit right. about you know you something that happens that motivates you to want to write something but then you've got to put it into more of a storytelling format how do you how do you transition right. that because i think that's one of the most powerful things that can be taught and can be learned but i think so many people it are is. afraid of that because it is it, there is a vulnerability and a rawness to it that you really have to dive into right and i mean we as humans we like storytelling like there's mm -hmm. a reason why it's like story time before bed when we were kids like we right. we need stories to understand things so i think it is something that i've learned over time and when writing it's like it almost goes into autopilot like i don't really think about it anymore because i'm like first verse introduction chorus you know what i mean or there's mm -hmm. a pre-chorus it's building things up second second verse is like okay we have to like expand on this and really like i feel like like the second verse is very important and i think a lot of songwriters don't understand this and they just kind of do the same same or they feel like they have to put the most important stuff in the first verse and then the second verse can be whatever it's like no the second verse has to punch harder mm -hmm. like it really has to dig deeper and really take the listener on this journey and then you know the the bridge can be it like corn does very angry it can it can go in the very angry mm -hmm. or it can have a resolve i love double bridges that is my jam 
I am a huge fan of the double bridge because you can go angry, especially in the style of music, and you can go like really angry and have this soft resolve. And then it's almost like you go into those last courses and it's a healing. And then there's sometimes this outro that complements the last course, you know. So it's like, I always, I do think about those things. And it's like, you know, you have to be really reflective and be like, okay, here's this part to tell the story. And for me, it's like I said, it's gone on auto autopilot. But I think when some people with developing their songwriting skills, they kind of forget these things, you know, and I'll listen to songs and be like, oh, they... You know, like some people just like to do what comes out, but I'm more of like a go back and, and make it make more sense person. Like mm. I, I like to restructure and reconstruct everything. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think it's so important. And I think the play on words and, you know, it, it music is it's so much it's it's poetry and, and it's dance and it's like it's everything. You know, it, it's it's not just okay, I played music and that's it. There's so much to it. And, and with creating a song, and I think that's why I love it. And it's like, I couldn't just be a singer because it's, it's challenging and it's new. And it's like, it's this blank canvas and you can put whatever you want on it every time. Of course, it, it needs to look like the beautiful aura of sprinkles you have behind your head. <laughs> you know, by the end of it, it needs to look like something. It just can't be like, you know, a drone of synth and like a black canvas the whole time. It's like some people right. love that. That's fine. You're into dungeon synth. My, by all means, like my hat off to you. But, you know, um, yeah, I love that music. It can just be whatever you want it to be as long as you're expressing what you want to see in the world. Right. So, right. yeah, I I learned I think my best storytelling I learned from Depeche Mode and Johnny Cash for sure. Like if you, oh, I yeah. tell people if you ever want to like learn really good rhyming and storytelling and like form just go listen to their you know their greatest hits and you know they will teach you without having to you know get on a phone call you can't with unfortunately johnny cash but <laughs> right. so, if, yeah. if you can we we would love to talk with you sometime soon because that that is something that needs to be you know packaged and yeah. that would be amazing <laughs> um, exactly when when we so i don't know if it, if you're fluid with this or if there's some sort of a structure to it but you know, as a, as somebody who does public speaking, I have a routine. I have kind of my, this is what I do before, a sh before a presentation, or this is what I do before I start writing. I kind of have my, my thing. Um, you can't see the mood lights per se, but like oh, I nice. have mood lighting in here. And, and so is there something to, uh, I mean, first of all, do you have some sort of a routine when it comes to either performances and or songwriting? Um, and if there is, or if you do, is there something to that, that helps you down this 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 dance that you have between true creativity and then the the true construction of a, of a song right so when it comes to when it comes to performing versus composing uh performing is a whole other world because it's like you're traveling and you're new you're in a new place every day and it's chaotic and hectic and i being on the spectrum i don't know how i did it for as long as i did mm -hmm. and i have no urge to go back to it anytime soon I will go back to it but you know it, there's something about becoming that character before you go on stage like putting on your makeup which is very therapeutic for me um and it again it can be whatever I want it to be that day you know I want to go full on like crazy Tim Burton looking character or like a Kardashian whatever whatever I want to do that day I'm doing it um you know and then getting into your your stage outfit and then you know there's definitely like a moment of ref reflection and gratitude before I go on stage because leading up to that there was hours of practice and preparation and paperwork like I don't care what anyone says like there's so much you got to do to go to different countries and to be able to be there in that moment with those people and share that moment is a very 
incredible thing. It's one of the most incredible things I've done with my life. So that there is like, that's the process of being on tour, but I can't like when I'm on tour, I can write a little bit, but only like I can just kind of write it and then put it down like a voice note or some lyrics in my phone. And it's like, okay, I'll come back to this when I get home at home. It's like this weird pro this weird place of, I, I need like a day before of nothing be like, okay, I know I'm going into writing tomorrow. So like no phone calls, no social media, just alone time. And I'm very boring. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do laundry and repot the flowers. And like, I'm very boring, but you have to give your brain that time to just chill out before you're going to go like amped up into like, I call my songwriting persona Quentin Tarantino because I feel like him. I'm just crazy, like flailing my arms and, and just being like, it needs more horns. Like, I'm just crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy when I'm writing. So I need that calm before the storm because I'm like, OK, tomorrow when I go into songwriting and producing, like I am going to be madness. Right. And then it only lasts for like I usually do it Monday to Wednesday, but sometimes it shows up when it wants. Um, and then by the, the third day, I'm like, I've. I've been going at this for 20 hours between like being boring. I need to chill out. And then my brain, but, but then my left brain kicks in. It's like, Hey, what about us? So then I'll do business on Thursday, Friday. And then gotcha. I take my weekend to like see family and friends and decompress and start the process over again. So it, it's like you, 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 I think the more you understand your brain and what works for your brain, the more productive you can be. Because I look back at my twenties and it was usually, I was usually writing when I was like hungover and sad and then it not, not a lot got done. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there there usually isn't much that comes good out of those things, other than maybe a, an unfortunate trip to Taco Bell or something like that. But you know, you know, yeah, yeah those those moments are not full of of beneficial activity or or contribution to the world. That's for sure. No, definitely not. And the other thing that I am the worst for, I am the worst for, and I feel so bad for all of my friends or people who contact me, like, you need to listen to my music is when I'm writing my own music, I can't listen to anything else, you know, because you don't want it to, like, influence what you're doing. Right. Um, or, you know, I I have to be careful, be like, oh, subconsciously, like, I've liked this melody and I stole it. I'm like, I can't mm. do that. I got to find my own. Like, right. this is bad. Like, this is very unhealthy. So during that time, I actually listen like my, my go-to's is a lot of like a lot of trip hop and, and witch house, which is just some mm. of its nonsense and sounds because it almost like massages my brain. It's like, I don't know how it's made. I don't know how to make it. I'm not analyzing it. Right. Cool. But like, you know, a lot of people send me music, like it's mainly rock and metal and pop. And I'm like, I'm sorry guys. Like I'm in writing mode. I don't want to listen to anything else right now. So some people understand it and some are like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> how a dare thing. You? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how dare you, how dare you like leave your boundary up for me and, and, and not take in my influence into your songwriting process. Right how dare you yeah no like no 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 one's ever been like that but they're just like oh like some people do get it i've met some other songwriters and producers like yeah like no <laughs> i'll get to this in two months okay cool peace <laughs> but i love that i and and i i will say too when you when you keep you you've brought up trip hop a few times and i will say that that has been a music that has been consistent in my life for a creative mm -hmm. standpoint like that is right when i'm in here doing anything creative whatsoever there is something very chill 
like I'm uh, tricky is one of my go-tos. Portishead right. is always a go-to. Yes. Um, you know, some prodigy, depending on what level of energy I need, I can go right with them. Prodigy can really amp it up. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like if I'm going full in, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. and there are some tunes of theirs that are, that are fantastic for focus. Um, yeah. But I love the, I love the idea that you're, you're, you've got this, this this repetition of you know needing boundaries and needing process and 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 getting things going the right way but it it's it's and it's I'm trying to struggling to put it into words but it's this beautiful mix of just fluid creativity but then also the structure of what needs to happen and and I think that's so unique and it sure it comes over time but at the same time like if you it kind of is like certain music like if you either get it or you don't and and that right. in of itself buying into your own process and 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 figuring out what works best for you and being unapologetic about it is right. has obviously worked extremely well and it's become extremely rewarding because of the, the content and the music that you put out um when you you know oh so i do want to tell the story because i yes. because your sound to me and I, and I'll, I'll quit in Tarantino, I'll quit in Tarantino, the story. I'll start from the, from the end and go back to the beginning. Make sure you talk with your hands. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to tell the story and it's going to be great. And, and there needs to be more horns, but there's not. And I'm going to figure that out in post. Um, but I, oh I, God. when I first heard your voice mm-hmm. and I, well, I was, first of all, it was your voice just by itself. And then all of a sudden oh, I'm cool. off listening to everything that you've ever created. And Cheers. Not just streaming, but downloading because I'm like, I I am obsessed with your sound and I want to support you as an artist and I want to support you as a fellow creative. But oh, what cheers. so the so the <laughs> rabbit hole, and I will talk with my hands because there's there needs to be a flow chart, but there's not. So <laughs> I'm so one of my go-tos during the like during my day is that I need to find pockets of joy, intentional joy. Totally that typically, same. Mm-hmm. That typically comes in some form of music, whether it's you know, my Spotify playlist that I've built because, you know, I've still, I, I miss my 25 right. years of touring as a DJ. And so I have to make like making mixtapes and making playlists is one of my favorite things in the world. True. But, same. But the other thing is that I love diving into live performances. Like I love watching like a live performance on YouTube. Like that just gives me energy because I miss this stage. I miss, you know, I love being on the stage as a speaker, but there's a different ball game when you're a musical performer. A performer. Um, yeah. So I remember distinctly, I was, I was looking, I was, thanks to YouTube, I was watching something and on the side, it was the, something like the top 10 metal screamers, like who were the best metal screamers. And so I'm reading, I'm watching this and there's some bands I'm like, I've never heard of them before. And then all of a sudden on this list pops Chris Motionless. And it was yeah. a performance that they had done in England years ago and it was reincarnate and it was, you know, it was towards the end of the song. And you know, when I, you know what I'm talking about where he's just guttural and he's and he's he he and i was like what is this like this is amazing so then i go right. down the rabbit hole of motionless and white and i'm you know becoming you know looking at their stuff and re- listening to their music and then i watched their their live stream that they did from penhurst which was mind-blowing and then one day when they're you know cyberhex hits hits right you know, the, the hits youtube and they start releasing and teasing it out and then there was a behind the scenes again, because I'm a music documentary nerd and I love hearing right. the story behind something. I'm obsessed with the song Cyberhex. I see your name attached to it. I, you know, and I'm like, okay, where's, so in my dumb mind, <laughs> I'm thinking that you are the computerized voice in the song. 
So a like, lot of people thought that. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe <laughs> yeah. that they're just giving her credit for that. Great job. Um, so then I watched the behind the scenes of recording cyber hacks. And then Chris talks about bringing you in to be on the song. And it was the recording that you did. And there was, there was the, the, the camera shot of you recording. And when you sang, like I literally paused the video. I went, what was that? <laughs> Holy shit. Like I was mind blown. Absolutely mind blown. And I didn't unpause it until I went and looked you up. And I was like, the, oh, wow. And then to watch some of the interview footage of you, again, from an energetic standpoint, you have this calm about you. And even though you, yeah. you say like, I'm, I'm a tornado and I'm Quentin Tarantino, at the same time, there is this, this calm energy about you that is intoxicating. Like it's fantastic. Because you. you are in a world, and you mentioned earlier the 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 not wanting to pull the woman card, but at the same time, like it needs to be talked about. Like you are, mm-hmm. you are. I'm not saying it, you're not an anomaly because it's becoming more prevalent, but you are truly in. You know, you are carving out this phenomenal place in what we'll call it the boys' club because it is historically. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But to have the talent that you have, and to come in yeah. as this force not only from a talent perspective, but from this great energy perspective, like that was the moment that I was just like, Oh my gosh, Lindsay, I've got to know who this woman is. I've got to re like, and that's when I reached out to you and I just was celebrating you and gushing. And I mean, because I was in that Aww. moment, um, I was excited. I was like, Oh, I have a new friend. But it was one of those, like I sent the message and I went, uh, okay, well I can't del- Okay. That's I sent you. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I did that. Okay. So we'll just chalk that up to like a fanboy moment. And I'll, you know, moving along. And then when you responded and reached out, I was like, okay. Hi. Hi. (laughs) And I did like watching like I am now. Like I was just so, so thankful to you because that personality that resonated through the interview footage is so real. And, and that sounds so cliche, but at the same time, there are times, and it doesn't matter what realm or what industry you're in, there are times where you see somebody and you're like, oh my gosh, they seem like a really nice person. And then you talk to them like, oh my God, what a dick. And, and Oh, I, that is the most heart-shattering isn't it? thing to experience. Yeah, I've been there a few times. But it just, it, it just is so, it's so relieving to, to listen to, observe, respect, become a fan of somebody who is just so fantastic and that is the most oh, like juvenile elementary didn't look at my thesaurus before this conversation term <laughs> but it's true and so i think that's in, in kind of the the last question and before we get into the fun the fun lightning round um, right when you talk about energy and you talk about connection and you talk about you know and like i mean chris even mentioned something about you know being drawn to your sound and your music like that what is to somebody who doesn't get it, what is what right. has energistic uh, connection, and what has that done for you, both individually, but then also from a career perspective? Like it, I mean, I, again, I go back to the vision board that you shared. Like, right. I, I see those things happening because yeah. because you do have that that strong positive energy. 
Oh, cheers. Thank you. It's funny because I was thinking of a story, like talking about this with you right now. I'll, I'll share a story because it has to do with energy. Yeah. And it's like, I, I really do believe that what you put out is what comes back to you. Mm -hmm. And if you have a positive attitude and you're genuinely like a friendly person, that's the people you're going to attract. And I, I appreciate you realizing that calm because it actually took me a long time to get to this place of calm because back when I was talking about where I felt resistance and people were like trying to like kind of almost put out my flame and like you know uh, discredit my talent my hard work and my contribution to music it made me very emotional you have to be like a certain depth of emotion to make music mm -hmm. so i when i was like the minute i master my emotions my emotions no one can manipulate me no mm -hmm. one can like take it and turn it on me so yeah i had i had to develop that calm and it's like it's my like i am my own home of peace you know and um that's kind of like what when you mentioned motionless that's how chris and i became friends we were at a um he he wanted danny filth on a song and it was literally the first performance i did with cradle of filth like it's weird you know there's certain people like you were just meant to meet in your lifetime and chris is one of those people for me and um my first show in mexico city no rehearsal thrown up there with three thousand people um that day you know, and a Danny, I felt like Danny Phil felt a little bit alone on the road in his business decision. So of course he partnered up with me. That was seven years of my life. And he turned to me and he's like, oh, this band called Motionless and White wants me to sing on a song. I don't know if I'm going to do it. And Motionless and White was already exploding in North America in mm. the underground. Right. But I don't think Danny knew about them because they hadn't really made it to Europe or the UK yet. And I just whipped around. I'm like, you have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you need to do this song, Danny Filth, like do it. So he's like, okay. And you know, I was kind of like, he saw my enthusiasm because he knew I was young and in the loop on things where he was kind of in a weird place in his career, living under a rock a little bit, bless him. Um, yeah. He still plays the same five albums on tour. You know, my predecessor tells me, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then there was a, a festival where Chris Motionless and White was playing the same day as Cradle and, um, you know, I, I don't even know how, I don't even know how we got connected in the first place. I think it was over Instagram. And then he sent me his number and he's like, yeah, we got to meet up that day. And the, the, the camp I worked with, their energy was a little bit different than mine. I won't mm -hmm. say too much or like, you know, just telling the facts, you know, and I was very like, Oh, I got to go out and meet everyone and I got to make friends and like, you know, and, and over the years it has attracted these, this incredible community around me and the people who I don't like, there's some people who have super high energy and I can only keep up with them for two minutes. And it's like, okay, I'll talk to you in two years. And that's fine. Right. That's their vibration. <laughs> but then there's these other people who like, you know, they're, they're gossipy and complaining and negative and they, mm -hmm. they, they're not problem solving. They're not like, you know, I feel like you just, your vibe attracts your tribe is what you say. Yeah. So, uh, that day, I went, uh, Chris and Motionless and White, this is back like when I think Devin was still in the band and they had a keyboardist, uh, Balls was that his name? And um, I still follow them all on socials, so I should know these things. And um, I went and watched their set and uh, then I had dinner with Chris and we just talked about everything. I think, you know, and I forget that Cradle Filth has been such a huge, to the spooky core kids of North America, mm. like 10, 20 years younger than the band or Danny, I guess. Um, Cradle of Filth and the Cruelty and the Beast album was a huge influence on that scene. And I kind of forgot that. Midian and Dusk too, to an extent. It's like the trinity of Cradle of Filth. And I think 
I think Chris was just fascinated that there was this young person from Canada who was like a classical musician who got into cradle filth and we became friends. And then that night, bless him, he had to catch his bus, but he came out to see our set and he was like dancing and singing alongside stage the whole time. It made my whole night. It, wow. it was one of my, my favorite memories. And he, he's like, I hope you play cradle to enslave. And I'm like, we might. And then at the end we did. And he was like, he was like singing along every word and he heard my opera voice and he was just so blown away. He's like, I didn't know people could sing like that. Mm. And I'm like, well, eight years of training. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> eight years of boot just camp. Something I and just kind of whipped up a sound that I just discovered one day. Oh yeah. You know, just like <laughs> opened my mouth and it happened. Right. Um, and he's like, I got to go. Like, I got to catch my bus. I got to get out of here. But he hugged me. He said, you were fantastic. And I was so blown away. And then we kept in touch all these years. And then the fact that, you know, later he was like, and it's funny that I put it on my, my vision board. I, I just thought, I always thought he was neat and he was a cool person. And I love motionless and white's music. I love that reincarnate album. Mm -hmm. Um, it's incredible to me. And, uh, yeah, and then it just he came back around, and now we're talking again. And I'm like, this is this is crazy. Like you know, like it. it, it but it's it really like what you put, like I said, what you put out there is what comes back. And it's like I only want to be around people who are, you know, you don't have to necessarily fully be aligned with yourself or fully calm or fully in your self love. I feel like self love is a never ending journey. Like you find mm -hmm. new things about yourself. I'm like, oh, I gotta I gotta embrace this and then work with it. Right. Um, but I find people who are at least trying to improve themselves and they're on that path. Like I want to be around those people. I want to be around growers and, um, you know, insightful people and reflective people. And yeah, that's, I think that's the right people that you need around. And, you know, some people thrive off of, uh, complaining and gossip and being negative and you, you, you know, your misery enjoys company. You stay over there and I, I wish you well. And maybe one day you'll change your mind, but I'm going to chill over here in the chill zone <laughs> with my people. <laughs> that 1000%. And I think too, those people, and I, I kind of, I was thinking about this visual when you were talking about the creative process, but it's the same thing with, with any kind of energy and the people that you surround yourself with. We are, right. we we're, if you visualize this, this gas tank of emotion and energy, that's us on yeah. a daily basis. Sometimes it starts here. Sometimes it starts here. But if sometimes you got, sometimes it's up here, depending on depending <laughs> yeah. on what you're what's going on. And sometimes you're Tarantino. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it <laughs> yeah. really just all depends. But with those kinds of people, I always called them energy suckers. And you know, oh, and yeah, also, energy empires. Yeah. Exactly. And and of course now I'm I'm hearing Luscious Jackson in my head. Um uh. but I, you know, those kinds of people can only suck that out of so many people before they run out of options be before it just right. becomes a, a, an arid wasteland of people. And so I, cause I have been in those circles and it's, Me it's too. exhausting. Oh, and yeah. I think the curation of those who are around you, it truly does create a whole different level of connection, a whole different level of energy, a whole different level of happiness. Um, so I, I will say number one, I'm, I'm glad that our paths connect, you know, crossed when, when this had become a thing for you and a thing for me, because I think we've both been in those, those previous deserts. Um, but at the same time, like I, I value the journey that you've been on that you continue to go on. And I appreciate you even saying that it's an ongoing journey because it is, I, I don't think anybody ever yeah. gets to a point where they're like, not nah, figured it all out. I'm good. You know, I'll write the I book mean, later imagine on. Imagine if we knew everything and we had everything figured out, we'd be bored. Yeah, I agree. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And it is. That's it's, why I get excited for every day. 
<laughs> it is. It's like it's like this. It's it's like here's your wrapped present of today. Guess what's in it? And you get to open yeah. it, and it's just this constant pulling it out because there's something new every single day. There's a new challenge. There's a new joy. There's a new obstacle that you have to figure out and it's and so right. i mean to your point like some people just get in front of, they'll they'll walk up to that mental obstacle and be like oh god this is again and yeah. nobody's gonna help me and yeah oh, well, yeah me. and i guess i'll just stay here um yeah complain about it where i'm like yeah let's figure this out it sucks right. but let's figure it out. if i bitch at this obstacle enough maybe it'll go away no i guess i'll complain <laughs> about that now um and it, it's so it's suffocating it's suffocating yeah. so i i agree i think and I said this on social media not too long ago that I, I feel like I have curated one of the most brilliant circles of people that I've ever had in my entire life. Like, you know, they all seemed good at the time, even right. when they weren't that good. But this mm -hmm. is immaculate. Like the where it is now is immaculate. And it sounds like it's gotten that way for you as well. So I I yes. love that for you. I applaud that for you. Hopefully, you. hopefully, you know, me and my my speckled painting behind me can kind of hang <laughs> hang in that circle. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I greatly appreciate you being vulnerable about your own journey and sharing how that's evolved for you as well. Because it is. It's it's ongoing. Thank you. Yeah. And we'll see. Maybe we'll talk again in five, ten years and we can Go I was going to say, maybe the, the painting happens. was too much. You're like, yeah, you'll hear from me in about three years. So just <laughs> wait, just, just hold your horse. Just wait, just wait. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, I got a few really fun, what I call rapid fire questions I want to ask you. So sure. no wrong answers here. No shame okay. whatsoever. But these are just fun, totally off the cuff, random questions. Number one, first 10 seconds of what song makes you immediately happy? Oh, shoot. <laughs> There's so many. First 10 seconds. Probably Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> really? I love that song. It makes me so happy. Um, there was one recently that made me really happy. I think it was it was like the opening track of Violator for Depeche Mode. It okay. was just like, oh man. So yeah, those are a few. I can't really think of anything else. Probably like, oh shoot. You'll be in my heart, Phil Collins. Yes. Oh, great song. Yes. Yeah. But I, I will now yeah. not be able to see you without hearing that that opening riff of Eye of the Tiger. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. No, they, that's that's a banger. I don't care what anyone hey, says. <laughs> hey, everybody knows what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's it's that immensely yeah. popular. But like, well, I don't really like Eye of the Tiger. You play it and everybody's like, I'm going to go th run through a wall now. Excuse me. Like, yeah, it's, literally. It's, <laughs> it's the most like pump up track. Like, I'm going to do the thing. Exactly. You know? it's, I think it's on every pump up track, <laughs> every playlist that everybody's ever had, every workout list everybody's ever had. Eye of the Tiger is on there somewhere. I don't care who you are. It's there. Um, yeah. <laughs> next, one food for the rest of your life. What is it? Oh, shoot. Give me a second. One food for the rest of my life. It's, it's, it's hard to answer as a vegan. It'd probably be like grilled cheese, like bread, just toast. toast. Toast and butter. Toast and butter. Toast and butter. Yeah. Um, vegan margarine, whatever. <laughs> I will I will also pause here to express my envy that you have ketchup chips in Canada that we don't have in, in America. Yes. Um, They're fantastic. I'll bring you a bag next time I'm oh down. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh. I will, I will like, buy you a suitcase and send it to you so that you can bring okay. a suitcase and <laughs> Like I'll if you've not you, had ketchup chips, you don't understand. Like you just yeah, you don't. haven't lived. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is your greatest fear? Oh, my greatest fear is not getting everything done that I want to do in this lifetime. That is it. What is, what does that list look like? What that? Um, I, I, I mean, 
it's coming to an end. Like uh, I need to make new dreams because I've already accomplished a lot of my dreams already. But I think like there's so much music in me that needs to get out. I think that's my biggest fear is dying before I get out all the songs inside of me. But I also want to perform with like live strings and do a DVD. Like those are big things. So I'm just like, I just want to do these big things. And I'm like, oh man, I hope I have enough time left to do them. Well, I, I have no doubt in my mind that you'll, you'll prioritize the things. And I just thought about this. It was a, of course, Facebook being the juggernaut of ads it is. There was an of ad course. for some sort of like a candlelight strings event. And now okay. I'm imagining this 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 live event with you in this room full of candles with the string orchestra, like yeah, front row, Phantom Hello. of the Opera style. Yeah, it's oh gonna happen. Oh my god! One day. Are you kidding me? I One day. Where I don't care <laughs> where it is and when it is, I'm there. Okay. <laughs> um, what is one thing that you care most deeply about? Um. Oh man, I care deeply about a lot of things. I think. I think is something I care about and I've been doing over the course of the pandemic and still doing it is I coach musicians mm -hmm. and I care deeply about helping them find their vision and getting them on track. That is like very important to me because there's so many musicians out there who know how to be creative, but then when it comes to the business side of things and a lot of us has to do it independently, mm -hmm. they like, I like supporting musicians and not feeling alone on their journey as songwriters and, you know, uh, composers and putting out their albums. Um, I care deeply about helping people find their passion and their vision. I love that. Very and I'm, deeply. I'm definitely going to yeah. share your Patreon link as well on the content of this. Oh, so I want to make sure that people can go and, and, and do that because you are, I mean, it's your passion on that. Cause I've, I've, I've read comments that you've made and, and you know, that to me is that's everything that you want to give back to people that want to, that want to follow that passion for them. Um, mm -hmm. do you collect anything? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I collect art. Okay. <laughs> I collect a lot of art, I've, especially now because of the surgeons of the internet and all the artists out there who can do it full time. Mm -hmm. I'll just fall on something that I deeply connect to. And then, oh, $80 later, because I bought the prints and had to buy frames. Oh, of course. Uh, my, right. my home is an art gallery. A lot of friends, a lot of people who I love. I just need stuff to look at that inspires me and calms me down. I think your home space is important. But um, my biggest collection to date, and some of it's in my room, sprinkled all over my room. I have like a two Tupperware bins full is I have a lot of Pokemon stuff from back in the late nineties, early two thousands. Like, it, and I call it my rainy day bin. Cause I'm pretty sure there's like five to $8,000 worth of Pokemon memorabilia in there that I could sell wow. and make a, make bank on, but I can't let go of it for some reason. And um, like you're talking about your friend who made your incredible stormtrooper helmet there. Yeah. My my deep my decompression is like playing the Pokemon video games. It's been my whole life. Like just raising a team and battling and beating the Elite Four is like my thing. It's always been my jam. And um I I have a massive collection, stuff from Japan, books in Japanese. I think I have the oh, first wow. movie on VHS in Japanese without like the the North American edits or anything. So I, I have this, this collection and it's just like, I can't let go of it. I think it's cause it just is like stemmed so much into my childhood. I'm like, that is my childhood, you know? <laughs> well, and it brings you so, so much joy. So why, you know, yeah. that, it obviously serves a really good purpose other than to I mean, there's a lot yeah. of things that people collect. And I think I just rid myself begrudgingly of my, my CD collection. I had, oh, no. I'll be honest. I kept the ones that were important, but uh, yeah, I, same here. Yeah. I too had, way too many bins of them that just didn't serve any purpose. And frankly, a lot of the titles were right. embarrassing. So I didn't, I didn't want any evidence but, of me actually purchasing them. 
Right. I, I hear that. <laughs> um, what event would you like to attend with a full access VIP pass? See, here's the funny thing. I have already done most of that <laughs> in this lifetime. Wait, okay, let it? me think. Uh, it was like, well, I've done it at festivals. Like, I've been side stage for Corn and Slipknot, and um, I met Corey Taylor in a bathroom backstage. And, um, you know, like, I've, I've, really, I've really been side stage to a lot of my, my favorite bands. I'm thinking, oh... I think it would be for Bjork if Bjork would have me. Oh yeah. Um, she's my idol. I look up to her. I think she's the most raw expression of emotion and people, I feel like people who don't know themselves or what they've been through don't understand Bjork. Like you have to, anyone who's been on the journey of understanding their trauma and learning to love themselves and seeing life for what it is, then you understand Bjork. Mm -hmm. And she's like, she is my fairy goth mother. A lot of people are like, Oh, you're fair. My fairy goth mother. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but like, she's, you know, to be able to just, if I could be a fly on a wall for a week to see how she puts together her live performance and how I know she's very hardworking and she has an incredible team around her and then go up to that performance. Um, that would be amazing. It would just be like a dream come true for me. Well, then you'll appreciate also the fact that to, to lift the spirits of my two young sons, I have been known to, because it works every single time. I have been known to yeah. perform "It's Oh So Quiet" for them. Yeah, and <laughs> what a song! It they, they I don't care how mad they are at me. I don't care how tired they are. I don't care how grumpy they are. Like that, every it's a showstopper yeah. every single time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, what are you most excited about in the next year? Oh boy. Uh, okay. Well, there's some stuff. I don't know if I can talk about it yet because it is finally like some dreams coming true. I think I'm mostly excited about, um, this, this next album I have on Patreon. It's, it's very, the one that's very influenced by trip hop, but it's still dark and spooky. It's still me. Um, I'm excited to, to finish it, wrap it up, put it out there, see how it's reacted. It's very raw and honest. And, um, I'm, I'm mainly, I'm just kind of waiting for the inspiration to show up to finish, finish the last few songs. And then I'm like, okay, finally we can get on to like the rest of it. Um, there is a performance later this year. Again, I can't talk too much about it. Cause like, I haven't even told my patrons yet. They, they've hinted at it, but it's an experience. It's a one-time thing. Um, it's happening here in Canada and, uh, it's definitely going to be a dream come true. And it's something that I have worked my way up to for a very long time. So that's, that's it. I, I just really want to get through, like, I know this sounds bad. It's like, it's the journey. It's not the gener- the destination. Right. right. But I just really want to like get through the rest of this year and then be like, okay, so then for 2023, I'm going to work on my next heavy album. And the vision I have for that is very Quentin Tarantino. So I'm just kind of excited to, uh, I like to, I'm, I'm a, I'm a committer. I'm like a, we start it, we finish it. I don't like confusing people. I don't like confusing myself. I don't like wasting energy. So I'm really just this year. I feel like I have been that fairy goth mother to a lot of other people and helping them find their way. And if that is my purpose this year, if that is my timing, if that is what the universe wants for me, then I accept it. But then it's like, there comes a point where it's like, yeah, but now I have to do what I need to do for myself. So I just want to, I feel like I'm tying up all the loose ends and then going into a different phase. I feel like they're you know, coming out of the cocoon and the butterfly for 2023. So I love, I love that. I love it. And I, I am so excited to watch that happen for you. I'm, I'm 
crazy excited to to find out what this se- the secret is and and I wish you the absolute best on that. Thank you. Um, just obviously I'm I'm I don't plan on going anywhere. I plan on being front row on this all the way. So <laughs> I I am so excited for you. I'm so thankful for you. I know that your fans are just adore who you are and are thankful for you. And I am so excited mm-hmm. for you to have many new many new fans because of who you are, how talented you are. Um, I will Thank also you. say that there has got to be, I know the, I call it the Kevin Bacon power. Um, I know <laughs> that there's somebody who's going to hear this, who knows the weekend, who knows Jonathan Davis and, and who knows Bjork. And so we're going to fi- find ways that we can get those oh, all wow. connected. So we, you know, I believe in that. I'm going to start manifesting Cheers. that because I want to see. Thank that you. Thank you. I would love that. No, that would be so cool. I'm just, I'm just waiting for it. I'm just like, yeah, it'll, I'm going to keep working hard doing my thing. It'll happen when it happens. I truly. But those are the best things when you're working hard in one line and there's this parallel fantastic and it's starting to curve towards your line and all of a sudden. Oh, it just hits you like an 18 wheeler. (laughs) 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 That's more what it's like. Let's be real. You just put that too comfortably. That was with soft padding. No, it's, but it's, it's the truck but that comes in and wheeler <laughs> Like if it was like made of marshmallows and padded really well and it kind of just. Sure. Jar- there we go. On there occasion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Light like a feather. <laughs> exactly. Like I got hit like a feather by an 18 wheeler. Like, yeah, totally. What? Yeah. I could fall asleep on it. I could fall asleep on it. It was great. So comfortable. <laughs> What what a perfect comparison to to end the conversation on. I Lizzie, I right. can't thank you enough for your time. I can't thank oh, you enough no, for the conversation for and for you being who you are. I am I am beyond grateful as a creative, as a fellow energetic person. Like I just mm-hmm. this is the part where I'm trying to cut off my gushing because I know that we're over time. Oh, but I am cheers. I am no, so fine. thankful for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for you too. Thank you so much for doing this again. I've been looking forward to this for what we talked about this for weeks, almost yes. months. Yeah. I'm so glad we finally did it. Yes. It's me awesome. too. Thank you for having me. Of course. Anytime. And I look forward to sharing all your links, your Patreon link, your website, your Spotify. I want everybody to go out right now and listen, download, stream, join Patreon. Lindsay is exactly the kind of person that you need to be connected with. You need to be following. You need to be listening to. So off you go, go find her, go listen to her, go enjoy her like I have. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Enrich Your Soul podcast. For more information, including previous episodes, keynote speaker information, television appearances, and more, visit richbracken.com. 